that's happening around you and somebody just drops, you've got leukemia. All right, welcome everybody to this episode of the Aim Over Easy podcast. I'm joined by John. John, thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Good morning. My co-host and partner in crime for the day, and we are joined by two very special guests, Cameron Meyer, who's been on the show before. Welcome back. And Carly Meyer, who's not a physician, and she's just an awesome stay-at-home mom with four rambunctious children and supports everything Cameron does. Is that right? Yeah, buddy. She's definitely... I'm like an honorary physician. Yeah, she's cooler than most physicians, too, so... Yeah, no, Actually, for the record, she now is a substitute teacher, so she's she's big deal now. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Yeah. People trust you with their children's lives a couple of days a week. Or they're desperate. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> All Somewhere, possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle, I'm sure. But we really wanted to bring Cam on. We've been wanting to do this episode for a while, but we wanted to give it enough time to not be, I guess, I don't say emotional, but raw. Raw. We'll go with that, but not as raw. And so I don't want to tell a story, but... Cam, walk us through the events of your diagnosis that happened yeah. in residency. Let me think. So I was third year resident at doctors. Man, I can remember that day like it was yesterday, to be honest with you. We were, it was after didactics. My mom was in town, so I wanted to get home to spend time with her. And I remember after didactics, we we're like, let's just go do something. So we just picked up and went to the mall with the kids and stuff. Just went out to have fun. Leading up to that, she said, hey, I think you should probably get a doctor. We should get a doctor. And we're like, well, we need to get life insurance, too. We have to get set up for disability insurance. So let's just knock things out at the same time. So I went a couple days beforehand and met with this new doctor I'd never met before. And she's like, all right, well, let's just get some basic labs since you're establishing care. And so fast forward to that day after didactics. And so we're just driving to the mall, like just in the car, Four kids screaming their heads off in the back. My mom's in the back trying to calm them down. And I get a call from my doctor. And I'm like, okay, whatever. She's like, hey, I just wanted to go over some lab work with you. Can you talk? I'm like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like, I really have never really had, like, a close primary care doctor. So yeah. I, I just didn't, didn't think, think anything yeah. of it. Yeah. You're and like, I didn't pay any attention to the yeah. fact that they're, like, calling me and checking to see if it's okay to talk. Exactly. And I had actually looked online the day before to look at my lab results, but I overlooked the CBC, right? And I just looked at the CMP and I was just like, oh, it's my kidney function, whatever. I was just curious. Like I didn't think about my blood counts, to be totally honest with you. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, what's my thyroid level? Like I'm just, whatever, what's my cholesterol level? Right. And I didn't even look at the CBC and she's like, hey, I just want to let you know. And she just started out with this. I just want to let you know you have leukemia. I'm like, wait, what? No, I don't. Like, I just looked at my lab work yesterday. And she's like, no, you really do. First of all, why are you telling me this over the phone? You, you said that she could. She said, do you mind if I that's share results true. over the yeah. phone? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Sorry. But, but now Not that bad. it's – you're like, wait a minute. You should have even asked. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I know. That's because – why would you? You're yeah. Like, this is a, like – call me into your office moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she said to me, you know, well, I was like, maybe we made a mistake because you were young, you were healthy, you talked about how you just run a marathon and this and that. And so she's like, let's just repeat the blood work. Let's just be safe. And so she ordered more lab work just to repeat it. And uh, like, it just didn't sink in. So we were like, whatever, let's just keep going. And Carly started freaking out. My mom started freaking out in the car. And for me, it just didn't sink in. So we go 
just random. Was it on speakerphone? Like was no, everybody no, listening? No, so no. so you were so you were relaying. I was driving. Yeah, you're yeah. driving and driving on the freeway, okay. being a yeah. very conscientious yeah. person. Yes, right. Well, it, getting well, yes. bad news, yes. driving eighty miles yeah. an hour on the freeway. I, I get you. This is not a judgment. It's just yeah. because it makes a difference. Like because then you also have to like relay that while you're processing, which is very different than you know, Carly being in a room with you when somebody's like, I need to talk to both of you. This is something, right? So, like, it's so important to think about how the news was delivered, right? Because you're just on your way to the mall. You got somebody in your ear, you know, all that's happening around you and somebody just drops, you've got leukemia. And even if you, like, want to gut check yourself and, and be like, well, it's probably just wrong. Like, all the things you would naturally go through. I could just, like, in my head, though, I just picture you, like, looking over and seeing Carly and looking in the rearview mirror and seeing your kids and just, like, I just can't imagine it. So. And it was it was three things. So it was that. So I, after a while, like, it, just a couple of minutes, we're still driving and everyone, like, I'm quiet. And then I look over and Carly starts crying. Mm-hmm. And I look at my back and I see my mom just dead silent just like stone-faced yeah and then i see the kids just running around and stuff and i'm like it just slowly like sunk in over time and by the time we got to the mall i'm like i can't be here what am i doing i gotta i gotta figure this out like we gotta act on this now we gotta do this this and this jc penny no longer felt so important (laughs) you get there you're like what am i doing i don't need to go to bed bath and beyond i'm in the beyond this is one road too far yeah we were at the mall like zombies like just like walking around i couldn't pay attention to anything it was just it was odd so so they we went to the the hospital repeat blood work the next day i think it was the next day or two days later i mean it was the next day i start going over i start looking at the lab results that they had done and i didn't get the repeat stuff back but as soon as they got that initial cbc they did the diff on it and then they send it for like fish studies and further testing with the hematologist and so i start looking at his stuff and i mean and i was diagnosed with cll right and for me like i i seriously remember in medical school when we were talking about leukemias I'm like, oh, I want that one. Like, if I'm going to get one, I want CLL. Because you get it when you're like 75. You don't die from it. You die with it. I'm like, that's the one I want. I don't know. I remember that. Right. It's funny because medical school does that to you for, for our non-physician listeners. Makes it's, you pick the diseases you'd rather have than yeah, something else. Yeah, yeah. And, and for the first like six months, you have all the diseases. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're like, like, my oh, eye twitches. Man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've got this really weird thing. And, and could you just real quick for those folks, could you just tell them what CLL is in case they don't yeah. know? Or they're in medical school now and haven't got to that yet? Or? Yeah. So it's chronic lymphocytic leukemia. So... There's a whole host of things that that go along with it. But just in general for leukemia, the simplest way I like to describe it to people is essentially your immune system kind of goes haywire, right? So you have your different cell lines. You have like your red blood cells that carry oxygen. You have your platelets that help form clots and all that stuff. And then you have your white blood cells that are really meant to fight off infections and, and other things in your body. So how I – in your white blood cells, there's so many different – types of white blood cells and how i look at it is is your body goes haywire it gets mixed signals right and so for some reason my body thinks that there's either an infection or something in my body that's not supposed to be there and it ramps up building that one specific cell trying to fight something that's not there 
And then eventually it just gets to the point where it's so focused on doing that that it stops doing all its other functions. So it stops being able to treat other infections and then it'll stop making red blood cells and then you'll stop stop making platelets and all these things. And, and, and so your body really has a limited ability to do anything because you're your body is so focused on treating something that's not there, if that makes sense. I think, I think that's just like a general easy way to kind of, no, that's a great description. Yeah. So I remember, Oh man, it was the worst day of my life. Cause I mean, it was hard. It was stressful. Like leading up to that, I'm like, Oh, they can be leukemias can be cured, whatever. It's not a big deal. And I called to set up an appointment with a hematologist and they're like, sorry, we're two weeks out. And like, deal with it like it's nothing like threatening right now so you just get to wait two weeks so i start going through my labs and start looking at stuff and i look at the fish study and i'm definitely not an expert when it comes to hematology and and i look at it and it says based off of this this and this and this marker this appears to be a very aggressive form of leukemia of cll so i'm like cll is not supposed to be aggressive what's going on here so i start doing what everybody shouldn't do. Start, I didn't Google it. I went up to date, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like a doctor version of Google, which isn't any better when you're not in the right mind frame. And and all I saw is with CLL, aggressive forms of CLL, your lifespan is about five years. So in my head, I think I have five years to live. Like my life is going to be over in five years. And I'm third year residency, right? In a four-year program. So I have... One year of spending time away from my wife, spending time away from my family, and then I only then I'll start getting sick, and then I'll be dead in four years after that. So I start like analyzing, like what do I what do I do? Do I just drop out of residency? Do I just spend whatever time I have left with my family? Do I and and I couldn't for two weeks. I couldn't function. Because when I remember we went to the gym, Carly and I would go to the gym like every day. I didn't have to go to work. We'd go to the gym. And even while we're working out, like I couldn't do it. I'm like, why am I wasting this one hour when I could be with my kids? I could be doing something else and I just couldn't focus on anything else. And then I go to work because I. I'm like, what do I do? Like, I don't know the plan. I don't know the prognosis, even though I look in this stuff up and I have an idea what it is. Like, what do I do? So I'm like, I just, I, I guess I keep going, pretending nothing's there. And I just, just can function. I'm sorry for whatever patients I saw during that time. You got terrible fine. care. That's why you're, that's why I'm supervising <laughs> attendants. Yeah. Remember, that's the attending's job to, to make sure that it's all okay. No, no, I'm, it went fine. But, but it was, it was just so hard. And so I go see the CLL specialist for our, our hospital system. And he says, he's like, he's like, honestly, I don't know what to do with you because, all my patients are 70 plus. Yeah, you I, didn't read the textbook. Can you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just like all the patients <laughs> we get, you're, you're like, sorry, you know, where's your pain? Left side. Oh, it's your appendix. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. <laughs> so you're there and you didn't read the textbook. Yeah. 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 Blew it. Yeah. So I go and he's like, frankly, I don't know what to do with you. I think it'd be best if we send you up to Ohio State because they have, essentially, they said they had the world expert in CLL at Ohio State. So, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I went there and I scheduled an appointment, but they said, sorry, your next appointment's in three months. So it's like no answers. The good news was, though, for me, so I saw that guy two weeks after I got diagnosed. And at that point, I, sorry, can I step back a second real quick? So when I looked at those fish studies, I wanted to talk about this. When I looked at those fish studies and I saw that I had five years to live, I was locked in my room. I locked myself in my room. I locked myself in the closet. I turned off the lights and I'm like, if I need to have like a a God moment, if I need to have somebody talk to me and somebody know from a higher existence that 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 they're there this, this is that moment and so i i laid in that closet lights off and i just i just talked right and it's funny when you're in these moments you start questioning everything like you don't go oh little baby Jesus, right, from Talladega, right? right? You have this image in your head of exactly who you're talking to. It just backs all the way up to something so broad. You're like, anybody, like, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your character is or whatever. If you're a God and you're out there, please listen to me. And, and And I said, if you're real, I need your help. And And in that moment, I felt... I didn't feel a higher power. I felt 100% alone. I knew I had a loving wife. I knew I had a loving family. I know I had four great kids. But I can't explain that alone feeling that I had. And and in, in retrospect, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, that was probably the best experience I could have possibly had at that time. Since that time, I have felt a higher power. I have felt love that I can't explain. But at that time, I just felt totally alone. But so for those first two weeks before I met with that first CLL doctor, I was, for the first time in my life, I felt what real depression felt like. I felt what really feeling 100% alone in this universe meant. I felt pain. I felt suffering. I felt every emotional po- emotion possible in that time. But for some reason, after I met with that first CLL doctor and he says, well, we don't need to do anything right now, I don't think. I don't know what triggered in me, but I just felt for the first time that, you know, I think it's going to be okay. And that was the first time I felt that night I've, I've felt love i just felt warmth and i i no longer felt alone i think those two weeks was probably the best experience i've ever gone through in my life because i think i i'm still a really shitty doctor i'm still a really shitty father i'm still a really shitty husband right but it's given me better perspective and it's helped me become better at all of those things um, I love being a doctor and I love being in the emergency room and I love the fact that when somebody is there and suffering, when somebody loses a loved one, I love that I can be there. I've been in crappy situations. I got a really crappy situation when I got diagnosed, right? But I love to put my arm around somebody and 
<laughs> and and I and I always say I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the pain that you're experiencing. But I do know what it feels like to be a completely alone and I do know what it feels like to have pain and suffering. And I am I feel like because of that experience I'm a much more empathetic doctor. I think my patients feel it too. And every once in a while when I'm yelling at my kids and screaming at my kids, I'll realize what I've been through and I realize that my life is going to be shorter in some way or another than it, than it should have been. And I, and I reassess and I say, you know what, this is stupid. And I'll, yeah, I always yell at my kids when I put them to bed. I always, they never go to bed and I just turn into like a monster and then I'll sit there in bed and I'll be like, I don't have much time with these kids. Like I don't have as much time as I want with them. So I'll humble myself and walk up the stairs and then I'll just wake them up because a lot of times they're asleep and they don't care anymore. And I'll say, Duke, I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry that I have these outbursts. And I probably wouldn't do that if I didn't go through those experiences. And then there's so many reasons why I'm a bad husband, but she can talk about that. But I do I try to do the same with her that I realize that I'm I'm being stupid, I'm being insensitive. And then I go and apologize to Carly about the same stuff. So, I mean, just kind of overview of my prognosis now. I mean, things are good. I mean, I don't, there's no reason. I'm not actually doing any treatments. I haven't done any treatments. And it's just, like we explained earlier, just the process of leukemia. It's just not gotten to the point where it's too far out of control that I need to do anything. So I'm always at risk for getting an infection, having a hard time to recovering from that and this and that. But as of right now, really, for all intents and purposes, my life hasn't changed that much because I still don't even have any symptoms. And if it wasn't for Carly, I wouldn't have to deal with all this heartache and hardship. So thank you. Mm, yep. <laughs> Just kidding. Yep. Nothing like a wife's love right there. Yeah. Yeah. No. So Carly... Can we ask you a couple questions? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like for you going through this as a spouse? I feel like, so Cameron got the call and he just looked at me and was like, I have leukemia. I was like, okay, that's funny. But the first feelings, I mean, like we were numb. Well, I was numb to it all. Not sure. Obviously, we were both not sure what was going to happen. We had multiple doctor appointments, so much support. But honestly, the first feeling like that I had through it all was just, I was mad. I was so mad. Coming from a wife of a, a physician or a resident or a med student, like you have put in so much work. So we went into medical school with two young kids and I had done four years by myself. So we had another in medical school and then our last one in residency. So we had four kids by the time he's his first day of residency, we had four kids. So I was a single mother for what eight years. So he got that call and I was mad. I was so mad because we had put all this work in and essentially in my brain now he's gonna die like we have to quit and I'm gonna go move back in with my mother and it's all selfish feelings like we're done like 
this dream that we have built together for the last eight years is over. Most mostly, I was mad. I think it's it's. I think what a lot of people don't understand about medicine in general is how much work is front loaded with a promise of this better life and this better everything when things are done right, and you just. All you can do is just put all your wants and hopes and dreams on hold with a promise that things are going to be better in the future. And and people don't understand that pain and sacrifice and all the terrible things you have to go through to get to that point. And and for Carly, you could see it, right? She shut down. Like when she got when I got the diagnosis, she just shut down emotionally. She shut down talking to people, like just completely shut down. I remember coming over to your house. Do you remember going over to your house? Excuse me. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Andy came and visited us, and I just made jokes. It was a lot of you. I mean, there's a Carly show, if you want to give it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, there last I'm very night, fun. Yeah, very show. fun. Yeah. But, but I still remember I came over, and it was probably the quietest you've ever been. Yeah. Because one of the things I love about you is your ability to make a room happy, make it vibrant, exciting. And I remember coming over, and the lights were off, and the kids were asleep. And I was like, how are you doing? And you're like, you can come in. <laughs> sat on the couch and I was like how you doing and you didn't say a word I was, yeah. and it was uh, yeah I, I remember it being hard for you for rightly so because you're right you had invested all this time and effort and that dream might have just blown up yeah. and been over yeah so I was angry I don't I've learned throughout the last what has it been like five years <laughs> that I don't process death or these things very well so I shut down I'm still very closed off about it. I think I also closed off from Cameron. I just was, well, I kind of, I don't know. I was, it wasn't fair to him, but I kind of just shut down. Oh, well, it's over. Yeah. Well, I imagine it's whatever your version of survival mode was. Yeah. Is that what, that's what you were in. I mean, it was the stages of grief. Yeah. They're real. So I got mad and then I just kind of shut down. So through it all, well, through the, beginning of stages i just didn't deal with it well i made jokes and yeah still kind of do but and and still haven't processed it well, let's fast forward a little bit so i remember from a residency standpoint uh, a conversation about this i don't know if john remembers the conversation but i remember if you're in residency leadership and you're listening to this a pro level move by john and our pd was what does cameron need it was take him off service Get him Cobra coverage, like sabbatical, year off, five years off, you know, whatever was needed. So it was kind of fun to see that side of it because it was an event that had not happened in our residency before where this was something we had to think about. It was nice to be at least because what do you do? We didn't know what to do. And it was, but we know we can do this is that we can offer Cameron a break. You guys were really, the program was really, really great with him. He was, they're super supportive. I mean, in everything because... We'd had gone through other stuff, but through everything, they were very supportive. They figured anything out with Cameron that he needed. So that was really great. I mean, everyone was supportive. We had in residency and med school, as a wife, you kind of find your people and other residents or wives of medical students or residents, and you just kind of grab on to them. And today, those are my best friends. Like, so they... Everyone helped us through it. It was pretty cool, though, because when the PD, Dr. Frazier, when he first reached out to me, he's I don't know what to do. He's I've never done this before. 
we love you. We care for you. We will support you in any way we can. But he's, you just tell me and we'll make it work. You just say what it is. If you need five years off, if you just want to quit, if you want to do this, you want to do that, he's, we'll support you. We'll do whatever we can. And that, w- that was cool. Whew. Sorry. <laughs> I would say the the most special act that I saw was one of my co-residents, Chris Evans. He was one of the chiefs at the time. And uh, I mean, I'd already had the diagnosis, right? And then COVID hits. And we just didn't know what to expect. We didn't know. It was early on in my diagnosis. We still didn't really have a prognosis at the time. And I remember we're going over the schedule and COVID was really starting to hit hard. And he's like, well, how do you feel about being in the emergency department? I'm like, I don't know how I feel. I'll just take whatever caution I can. And he said to me, he's like, I can't have this on my conscience if I know that you got sick and died. So I'm just taking you off the schedule. And I mean, that was, I'm sure it was hard for him. I'm sure it was hard for everybody else. And it was only like half the month, half of that block that he had to take me off. But it was, I don't know, it was just a kind gesture. And I think that was just, I don't know, it's that, that hit me hard. That really showed that he loved and really cared about me. So It's a thing that actually looks hard, but interesting enough, it's really, really easy if you're surrounded by the right folks, which I firmly believe and advocate in, right? When you're blessed because as much as we talk about work-life balance and they're two separate things, they're not. Hearing you talk about what you went through in the relationship and what it's like being the wife in this particular case or the husband or the spouse or whatever, it, it, when you're in the listener's point of view, it is a part of who you are and it involves everybody. It's it's whole family profession. And that includes your your work family, you know, your coworkers and your colleagues and your peers and the residents you train with and the faculty you work with and the attendings. I mean, that can make or break you. It's so funny because we always think they've made like, wow, what an incredible thing they did. But they just see it as a human thing to do. And, and let's fast forward a little bit more. From afar, it has been fun watching you live your life. Mm-hmm. I, you are doing things I know were not planned. And I imagine it's because you don't know what tomorrow is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and the the reality is, is I have no idea when it's going to hit me. You know what I mean? Even though they say, I mean, my doctor that I follow with, and she says, well, it could be 25 years till things really go to crap and hit the fan. On average, people with your exact situation will be 10 years but she said, the reality is, is it could happen tomorrow. You could randomly get an illness and your body's not capable of, of treating it. And you could literally die from that illness a few weeks later. It's just that simple. Chances are that that's not going to happen, but we just don't know. And there's definitely bits and pieces. I want to do stuff. I want to go out and explore. And I would say the the relationships that I focus most on my life on right now are just my kids and Carly. We try to do stuff. I remember last year, we, I don't know, I just felt kind of, we just moved to a new city. I was getting into a new job and it was just hard. And I'm like, I need to do something special for my kids because I don't think I've done anything for a while. And so randomly, we I decided to take two of my boys to to a 
random trip. So I came home from a night shift. I had a few days off, and I came home from the night shift. It was early in the morning. I'm like, hey, you guys want to go get some drinks or something? And they're like, yeah, let's go. And I don't even think a drink place was open that early in the morning, right? Because in, in Utah, there's all these soda shops or whatever. So yeah, let's go. And so we start driving, and I get on the freeway. They're like, where are we going, Dad? I'm like, we're going to go find the best drink around. I'm like, okay, yeah. So we keep going, and then all of a sudden, we show up at the airport, and they're like, what? I'm like, oh, there's a good place at the airport I heard about. So we walk in the airport, and I'm like, ah, I don't know if this place is good enough. Maybe we should find somewhere else. And we just... And I'm like, pick a plane. What do you want to go on? I already had the tickets, right? But they saw San Francisco up top, and we're all 49ers fans. And so we were like, San Francisco! So we're like, all right, let's get on the plane. So we jump on the plane, and we do this whole trip. And the whole story behind the trip was, let's find some drinks. Let's find the best drinks we can. So we go, oh, is this? We'd go buy a drink somewhere, like a coffee shop or whatever. Is this the best drink? They're like, no, 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 no. We got to keep going. Got to keep going. And what about the 49er stadium, right? Should we just go check there, see if they have good drinks there? And so we went there and watched the football game. How are these drinks? Oh, they weren't, they're not good enough. No, no, no. So we just kind of explored the whole city and found our favorite drinks, right? And And then we came home and... I want to build those memories because I honestly think if it wasn't for the diagnosis and and having these random reminders of how short life is, I probably wouldn't have done it. And I probably would have been like, hey, this is a night shift. I just want to relax this weekend. I just want to take some time off for myself and calm down, which is what I usually do. But every once in a while, I'm reminded, you know, you don't have a chance. You don't have as much time as you think to really develop these relationships with your kids. And so we'll try to do random things like that from time to time. I'll try to take my kids on a personal date once in a while. So me and my daughter, last last week or two weeks ago, I just picked her up. Let's go on a date together. And we went and just had time, just me and Olive, and just had stuff joyed. And so we're just, I mean, really, it really is a balance because financially, I just want us to be safe. I want my family to be safe and secure and have everything they need for when I'm no longer able to work. But at the same time, I want to build those memories and I want to build experiences that they'll always remember and that they can look fondly on me when I'm not around anymore. So, Carly, what's it been like on this side of it? Watching Cameron as a dad and um, as a husband and as a like he's terrible. It's been it's been fun. I think a lot of times with work he gets worn down and stuff, but we have a lot of fun. We definitely are both adrenaline junkies, so we live our life to the fullest. We like to do mountain biking and I don't know. We just adventure a lot. So it's been fun really watching him come into his career. And being able to do all these things. So he's been able to come into his career. We moved back to by family just in case something crazy happens. We loved, loved, loved Columbus. We still love Columbus, Ohio, and all our friends. But we realized that family, we have to be around family. And it's important. But Cameron is the fun dad. So he comes home from work and all the kids are like, yeah, dad. And I'm like, I'm going to go to bed now. <laughs> No, but we, and really for me growing up, for both of us, I think a lot of our favorite memories come from being outdoors and spending time together as a family. Some of the greatest memories I have as a family are just going on a camping trip or something or doing something. So we try to go biking with our kids. We try to just spend any time outdoors. We go right behind our house. There's a Frisbee golf course. So we'll go spend time with the kids. We just try to do activities, no matter how tired or exhausted we are, to do fun stuff with our kids, to make memories with them. Well, 
Carly, Cameron, thank you so much for sharing what you know is a very personal story, but I have no doubts in my mind that this will reach the people that it's intended for and make a difference. And just like you do as a physician and as a friend, you make a difference every day. And every day having you here in this world is a blessing. And I think the the overarching theme of, you know, everything we've talked about is be thankful for what you have and live life to the fullest. You're not promised anything. And so just keep that in mind and let the small things go and and just focus on the big things, the people you love, the friends you have, and being a good person. And I think it will take you far. So thank you both for your your openness and your, your honesty. We look forward to more conversations in years to come. Well, congrats on making it all the way to the end of that EM Over Easy episode. Don't forget, we are the official podcast of the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. To learn more about this great organization, head on over to asoep.org today.